crowd chakra, which is the back of the crowd chakra. Shit out your hood glass. Can you have any moves? I'd like to see you incorporate them. Hello, and welcome to Waxing the Porpoise. Uh, you got Jim G, baby, and my co host, the usual suspect, Steve. How are you, friend? Hello. Good. Good to see you, Jim. Good to see... What is that from? I keep saying it in my head, but... Uh, I think it's Billy Madison, where he's like, Carl! Yeah. Good to see you. <laughs> when he's about to, like, make out or get down with uh, the te- the school teacher. I don't remember, actually. Yeah, he's in the tent, and then Crazy Carl comes in, and, and he's like, Carl! Oh, yeah, yeah, good yeah. Good to yeah. see right. you! Like, he wants to knock his block off. Yeah, so episode seven now. Uh, we got new episode where we cover 1987's Near Dark, directed by Catherine Bigelow. Uh, is this one a complete blind spot for you? Did you ever hear about it in passing or in your no. punk goth era? Nope, not at all. Okay. In my what? What do you mean by that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, you said you liked Evil Dead when you ran with the punk scene. That was big with them. Yeah, we we definitely watched some like kind of old horror movies like Night of the Living Dead, Evil Dead, you know, Lost Boys, stuff like that. But no, this one wasn't on my radar at all. Yeah, this one actually, I didn't realize, but this, this came out the same year. I think it came out two months after Lost Boys, which kind of has a similar vibe. I, I thought so when I was watching this one. It, it reminded me a little bit. Maybe it's like, you know, Deep Impact and like, you know, those like Armageddon movie, like, uh, or the two volcano movies that come out yep. right around the same time. Even the Prestige. It was like the Prestige and then Edward Norton's yeah. uh, The Illusionist, which is fucking garbage. Get your shit out of here. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, The Prestige sucks. The Illusionist is like, what? far better it's like why how old are you 10 i never watched it when it came out and so after a couple years later i watched it i was like dude that movie is straight dog shit don't ever watch it uh, yeah I, I haven't seen it but i do like ed norton so that's i, that's a I like him a lot too yeah it's surprising i mean he's okay but yeah it's it's terrible but yeah it's kind of a weird uh it, it, is it something in the ether or, you know, people are kind of buzzing around Hollywood and, like, thinking what's the next, like, genre or, like, the next thing that is, like, trendy? Like, vampires, haunted houses, you know, like, what are we going to maybe they hear, maybe they hear a big studio bot, like a, a volcano script they're turning into a movie, so they're like, let's jump on that same thing, which it seems weird if you know something's coming out to be like, hey, let's... Let's try to do the exact same thing. <laughs> you're, just, you're sort of just diluting your own product, yeah. but it, it is strange. You see that happen every once in a while. They'll just be like two of the same things at the same time. Yeah, I was doing some light reading, and I think what kind of kicked the '80s were pretty big for horror in general. But I think the like the new wave of vampire movie. It was in '85. It was kicked off by Fright Night. Have you ever seen Fright Night? Nope. 
might be a good Halloween time uh, flashback. But uh, yeah, that one was like hugely popular in 85. And then I think immediately after that, they started working on um, Lost Boys, uh, the kind of teenage vampire kind of thing going on. And uh, I, I actually read the, some of the background of Near Dark and the gal who directed it, Catherine Bigelow, she wanted, the studio said, you need to make a vampire movie. And she was like, okay, but I want it to be, you know, more of like a Western, have a Western edge, which if that was what she's going for, I think she accomplished that. Because uh, this is, as much as there are similarities of this to Lost Boys, it definitely has like a noticeable kind of Western, like cowboy movie twang to it. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that, but going into this, I was I was certainly expecting just a super corny '80s vampire movie, uh, and I was I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't super over the top with the vampire stuff. You know, it was kind of a slow mm-hmm. burn at first, which I really liked. I liked the movie in general, but I also just really liked the kind of style of it. It wasn't it wasn't too in your face. Like I don't even think they said the word vampire at all yeah now that i think about because i'm super fresh i just finished watching this uh i don't think they did say the the v word at all yeah which i which i like card you know handed over (laughs) yeah (laughs) i should get some of those bumps but yeah that is that is kind of a a cool thing that they didn't have to they didn't throw my face wow Oh, hey, before we get real deep into, because we're trending that way, right into the the film, um, I found something funny that uh, I think I already sent you, but I I just want to, I want to see your reaction. Um, Is it one man, one jar? No. (laughs) Really made my, this week I needed this laugh and it, uh, it delivered. You ain't going to believe this, man. I hollered at this girl, right? So when I went, knocked on the door and went to her crib, she said she want to get a freak on. I said, what? She said she want to get a freak on, bitch. I said, well, goddamn, I'm down with that. I know I can eat pussy and do all that type of shit and stick it real good. That's why they call me Super D, bitch. You know what the bitch wanted me to do? She say, Super D, Super D, I want you to shit on me. I said, what? The bitch want me to shit on her. I said, you got Super D fucked up. Because I ain't that freaky. God motherfucking damn. You ain't going to believe this, man. Oh, man. Oh, oh fuck. Wow. That shit made me laugh so hard. The, especially the end with all. God motherfucking damn. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyhow, that was, that was my good hearty guffaw for this week that came in right when I needed it to. Okay. All right. So back to uh, this week's topic, uh, Near Dark, uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow. Near Dark. Pray for daylight. Pray for daylight. That's another weird thing, too, is like the like seeing like the evolution of movie trailers from like the 80s to like now it's pretty wild like the one of the main ones for near dark it's literally like maybe a sentence and then two minutes of just action and like like a synth dusty 
jazz fart guitar in the background and explosions and no like coming this summer like you know all that shit and then at the end it's like near dark and then like now you see like trailers are just like they're almost like a mini movie in themselves they give away too much almost at times but anywho um even if so, you yeah. watch old old commercials you know if you happen to come across you know if, if you watch something that you recorded 10 20 30 years ago like on vhs and you see just some of the commercials from the time it's it's bizarre when you compare it to modern commercials you know Dude, I was I got lost in a fucking YouTube K hole one day, uh, and was it was like '90s commercials, and one of the ones that I remembered it was on like, it was either on Ninja Turtles or Ninja Turtles Two at the beginning, and it was like a dramatization of like a baseball game, and then they go to a Pizza Hut right after the game, and it's like this like, I remember it so well because I I watched that Ninja Turtles VHS tape like thousand times when i was a kid so i remembered the beginning like crystal clear like with the, they're all going to the old school pizza hut and like it brought back uh heavy nostalgia like even like the old like those red cups that were like like yep uh, I know, yep you know what i'm talking about i know exactly what you're saying <laughs> and like the salad yeah i saw bar. i saw a commercial for crossfire you remember that game oh yeah the 90s <laughs> could still remember the theme song you know all these years later without having seen it kids are like pouring sweat playing this yeah. game <laughs> i remember seeing that like oh shit crossfire that looks intense look at how heavily they're yeah. perspiring <laughs> yeah and they, they have like this suck. like never, crazy never played it but yeah they I, look like they're playing it in hell yeah there's like these red lights like coming up angled perfectly and like sweat and yeah the 80s crossfire so Okay, so I think the the sixty four thousand dollar question is, what did you think of Near Dark? I loved it. I thought it was great. Nice. It 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 definitely exceeded my expectations. the The corniness level was far below what I was expecting. I mean, it's still an eighties vampire movie. So, if anybody hasn't seen it, uh, I would recommend it. But don't don't expect there to be zero corniness. I was able to watch it for free. I got a, if you have Amazon Prime, they actually give you three options for a free trial. You can do Shudder, AMC Plus, and there's another one I'm, I'm not remembering, but I mean, all of them are free. So if, if you had a bunch of other stuff on one of those services you wanted to watch in that free week, knock yourself out. You can pick whichever service you like more, but yeah, it was really easy just to find it on there. And Bill Paxton is just a, a legend taken too soon as we've talked about before yeah he's pretty awesome in this if you if yeah, you say yeah. that he's not your favorite part of this movie then you're higher than balls on a giraffe yeah no he definitely is you know the uh i guess lightning rod of excitement you know he's just such a wild character i really it, it's funny this is one of the um, the movies that I didn't think I'd feel this way about, but I, I probably haven't seen this in maybe three or four years, maybe even longer, maybe five years. But this is one that I came to pretty late in the game. I didn't watch it till twenty years after it came out, almost. Like I had heard, it's like you know, yeah, it's a it's a deep cut in horror and like the, you know the vampire subgenre. 
And I saw, oh, shit, Bill Paxton's in it, the gal who made Point Break. Fuck yeah, sign me up. So I, was, I, I went and watched it as soon as I learned about it. I was like, oh, yeah, that was dope. And then kind of forgot about it. And then I was like, oh, this would be perfect for a podcast episode. Um, it, it hits all the boxes. And then, t- you know, to be honest, I watched it again. And I was kind of bored with it. Like, it may sound like sacrilege to to some some groups. But I just, I don't know. Something about it didn't really, it didn't stick with me. And I didn't, I wasn't like into it as much as I thought I was or would be again because as as quick it is i mean i think it's 93 minutes as quick as it is it does like it is a very slow burn punctuated by some pretty cool parts and like high energy stuff but it, it definitely takes a while to get to like any semblance of like vampire shit which i thought was it i didn't remember it that way when i when i first watched it but yeah i would actually not I'm borderline not recommend on this. Like I didn't really care for it. Really? Yeah. Mm. It uh, yeah. I mean, it definitely had some slow parts, but I don't know. Overall, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the the sort of build up, like the beginning. You know, the beginning is kind of slow with him and him and the gal, but there are some scenes of like ultimate brutality that are so awesome. I feel like it makes up for. <laughs> Some of the some of the slower parts. Yeah, I think my biggest qualm this time around is the our main character, our main protagonist that we're watching the events through, and we're supposed to like be rooting for and liking, is a fucking baby back bitch. I did not like him at all. Caleb, played by yeah. Adrian Pastar um, of I Prophet. I looked up his IMDb. I don't recognize him from anything. No, I think the biggest thing probably people... He's done a million things, but... Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing people probably recognize him from is Heroes, but I never watched Heroes, and um, he was in a short, uh, weird memory of him, is they came out with a show called Prophet in, like, 1993 on Fox, and I think it followed up, like, X-Files... And uh, I watched it, and I was like, I was think I was way too young for it, but it was garb. He's garb in this movie. I did not like him. He's just like a whiny, like I I didn't see what there was to like latch on to him. He said he seemed like a generic and not very good, like cowboy, like young cowboy, fish out of water. Uh, I just thought he was it's horrible, terrible. And the chick, too, that he's supposed yeah. to be in love with. I didn't buy that at all. And I, I didn't really care for her performance, either. May? Yeah, I, I was kind of hoping because, you know, I, I don't know how, how far we want to... Because this one is definitely a deep cut. I wouldn't be surprised if not a lot of people have seen it. So I don't know how much you want to give away or if you want to just... Hold oh yeah, bag, fuck it. Kind of... I, I want to steamroll right right through it because if people are coming to listen to okay. a podcast about it, I feel like they would have to have watched it. Or who knows? May, I don't think there's a ton to spoil in the film either because it's kind of just like foot down. Like here you go. I mean, it's a vampire movie. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think we're right. we need to save okay. anybody. So... Of, of, and I think it has yeah, a hu- so it already has a huge following too of like people that like it. So, oh really? Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I guess yeah, I guess that's just kind of surprising. But um, so in the beginning, 
he definitely comes across as like kind of rapey, kind of douchey. <laughs> um, I thought for sure he was just going to be like a first scene kill. Yeah, like a you red know, shirt. I thought, she, I thought she was just going to kill him and then, you know, move on. Like it was just a, a little setup. Um, so I was surprised that he became the main character, I guess, of the whole movie. Because, yeah, I agree. I, I certainly wasn't overwhelmed by his character or his, or his acting. But yeah, I was not a fan. Um, I guess too. Let's just run through the cast real quick because uh, they got some. It, it has actually a pretty solid ass cast. Um, so our our main our main guy Caleb, uh, as we've discussed, is played by Adrian Pastar. Um, and then there's May, uh, who is like you know his teenage early 20s equivalent who is a vampire and they fall in love or he hits on her and she must be thinking like oh here's easy dinner but then i think it, it kind of turns like she's like "Ooh, I, I like this guy and you know what if i can turn him and he can kind of join our motley crew of of vampires because i'm lonely kind of thing so and then she's supported by their little well, enclave and he didn't it, it's right? funny because it's not like he came across as like a nice guy to where, you know, if she, if she originally was like, Oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to kill this guy and drink his blood. It's not like he was very endearing. He was just kind of like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, yeah, just kind of rapey, you know, just like creepy. Like yeah. you'll have to, you'll have to kiss me now. It's like, God, this is like the perfect guy to just kill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't think they did a, a great job of, of him being like a really likable dude to where she wouldn't want to just end him. So yeah, I thought that was surprising. Like I want to hang out with this guy forever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's even weirder too, because that's some, that's like kind of like a teenage, you know, like late teens, early twenties kind of puppy love that you could buy into. If she's like, Ooh, he's a pretty face, you know, like I like him, you know, but she's a fucking vampire. And I mean, maybe she is a new vampire, but you got to think, I mean, she's got to be older than what her age she's presenting as is like, she could be like 35. She could be 50. So she she said she got turned when she was in high school and she's, I thought she said it was four years ago. Oh, okay. So she's still kind of in that realm. Okay. That makes sense. Cause like the young kid who will get to Homer, he's got, he's like 80 or something is what I gathered. Like he's an old man in like a 10 year old's body. Cause he was, he happened to be turned when he was like nine or 10. So he's just like a little shit, but he has yeah, like the also mindset. Creepy. Yeah. Very creepy. Once we get to that point. Um, yeah. Uh, so then, yeah, going into him. Yeah. So Homer, uh, is like an 80 year old vampire stuck in a 10 year old's uh, body. He is from, have you, do you remember, um, have you ever seen Teen Witch? No. With Blake Lively's mom or older sister, Robin Lively? Dime. Uh, and, no. Don't even know it, who that is. You'll probably remember it from this. Remember our old, uh, coworker Castro? How he used yeah. to do that, uh, that one song, that rap. I think he played it once. That top that. Top that. You remember that? Top that at all? Uh, I guess. Anyway, yeah. that's fr- that's from Teen Witch. So this this kid, I, I don't know what his, the actor's name is, but uh, oh, okay, yeah, I I do vaguely remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> top that, top that. It was, it, it, yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was bad. Pe- 
people that are familiar with Teen Witch will know exactly what we're talking about. Um, the top, the top of that sequence, but that kid's in that movie and he plays kind of like a similar character. He's obviously not a vampire, but he plays like a, just a creepy little fucking kid that's like trying to steal glances at his sister in the fucking shower and shit. He, he's just an unfortunate human looking unfortunate <laughs> yeah. looking and like the way he talks and like his whole aura is uh slightly off-putting but so he I didn't, he's, I didn't look at his uh imdb or anything but i'm wondering if he got a lot of creepy like weird pedo uh roles because he seems to fit it yeah yeah it's not it's he's got a pretty thin biography but he was he was in a couple kind of 80s early 90s horror leaning things um and then getting into the the good stuff uh we got uh bill paxton who plays severin he's just like you're talking what a badass badass motherfucker uh, i like to how when they're doing all their introductions of like this vampire clan they're like homer you know diamondback and then Bill Paxton takes him and he fucking lifts him up by his shoulders. He's like, I'm your worst fucking nightmare, pal. And then they're all, that's Severin. Like, (laughs) (laughs) his intro is awesome. Um, And then you got uh, the gal named Diamondback, who you may, some people may remember as, I can't remember what her name is, and she's in Aliens. She's like, badass soldier woman with like the fucking hip mounted like light machine gun in aliens and then she was also she played the mom in terminator 2 you remember terminator 2 when like she's on the phone and she fucking knifes the dude with her arm when she's the t-1000 like right through the milk carton and through his mouth it's it's been a long time since i've seen the terminator movies and i've never seen aliens so chase what the fuck were you thinking about here? That is a travesty. <clears throat> I don't think it'd be germane to our podcast to cover it, but you should just watch Aliens when you get a chance. It's fucking badass. I did. Uh, Bill Paxton. I did alone. notice. I did notice as as the kid, what the hell's the kid's name? Archie or Caleb? Caleb when he was like stumbling Archie. around. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I knew he had some stupid dipshit name. Uh, he, when he was, like, stumbling around, there was a movie theater in the background, which was clearly yep. meant to be, like, hey, look at this not-so-subtle background detail. Yep. And it showed Ali- Aliens was playing, and I remembered what you said about uh, this director, Catherine Bigelow, was married to James Cameron, and yep. it, did he do that movie? Or yeah. there's some connection, right? Yeah, there's actually a bunch of funky little connections between this movie and Aliens and James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow and Terminator 2. Um, she's like sharing actors and like relationships involved. But yeah, that's definitely James Cameron did the second Alien movie, Aliens, uh, in 86, so the year prior to this. And I can't remember if he, I think it's in the trivia when we get to it. I don't know if he was seen. I don't think he was seeing Catherine Bigelow at this time, but I think they were friends and they worked together kind of thing. Cause like Bill Pat, there's a lot of crossover between near dark and aliens. Like the, the gal who plays diamondback, Bill Paxton, they're both in aliens. Um, Bigelow and Cameron knew each other. And I guess too, um, 
our fi- our final character, <clears throat> main character in uh, Near Dark is Jesse, who is played by Lance Henriksen, um, who is also in Aliens. He plays Bishop, the android, who has a dope death scene uh, in Aliens. Wow, thanks. And, Guess I don't need to watch it now. Uh, damn it. Uh, still watch it. It's dope. Um, but yeah, he he's a great actor, too. But yeah, that's another little bit of crossover and then i guess too there's a guy michael bain you know michael bain no crickets michael bain are you familiar with him i thought it was michael bean maybe it is i don't i don't like to pronounce it that way yeah con air con shit yes the rock he's got the rock right yeah like the upstanding dude and they get gunned down in that like little area in the prison because he won't go through with Ed Harris's orders, you know? Oh, wait, is that him? I, yeah. Wait, I'm thinking of... He's like, tell your I'm men to stand of... down, and like, and then they just open fire from like an elevated position on him. Okay, I must be confusing him with somebody else then. Never he, mind, forget he's it. The, he's like one of the main characters, uh, Kyle Reese, in uh, the very first Terminator, the OG Terminator. Have you ever, have okay. you never seen the OG? I have... I, it, I, it must have been when I was a kid. I don't remember You're anything a mess. about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dude, the first Terminator is actually... Uh, it's more of a horror film than an action movie. It's definitely very much an action movie, but it's got a weird kind of like killer. Like like Arnold, who plays the Terminator in the first one, has a, a very like uh, like serial killer vibe about him. Um, what's the one where he goes into the bar naked and he's like, I need your clothes, your boots and your motorcycle. Yeah. That's deuce. That's Terminator deuce. Okay. He plays like a good guy. I remember that. Yeah. He turns from heel to another fun fact. You know, the dude that he, he, when he tells him, I need your boots, your motorcycle and all that shit, the biker with the beard. Yeah. And he presses his hand onto like the griddle. That dude is in the fight, the bar scene in Near Dark that uh, Bill Paxton punches and spits a shot of whiskey in his face. Oh, really? Yeah, this That's part. Funny. The how many shots would ever donkey pissed you shoving down these cocksuckers' throats? Hey, <laughs> that dude with like the beard, like the red hair, the long. Yeah. That's the same guy in Terminator. So there's another bit of Near Dark Terminator Cameron crossover um that's just another fun fact that is fun yeah i just got super sidetracked anyway yeah mike so michael bean he was uh in talks to play lance henriksen's character of jesse uh who that just would would have been another thread tying this together with the vortex of Catherine bigelow james cameron and all those movies so um lance henriksen i like a lot he his character he's the one with like the scarred up face the old dude and when they ask him yeah. how old he is he's like well i fought for the south and we lost like to give you an idea so he's like what 300 years old 200 years old well if this was 87 and the civil war was 1860s it'd be oh, like 150 like or 170 or something there you go okay cuz he looks like he's about 50 yeah. Or he looks like a modern 70-year-old, but back in the 80s, I feel like that's what a 50-year-old would look like. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, you probably know him from Aliens, obviously, as Bishop. Uh, he was also in a kind of like a deep cut, uh, a horror fave called Pumpkinhead. You probably saw it like on VHS covers, like going through blockbusters as a kid, but it's a big like alien looking thing. He's he's in that. He's pretty badass. Um, he's done a lot of horror. He's done a lot of horror stuff, but anyway, yeah. So that's that's the uh, ragtag uh, pack of strays, pack of vampires that Caleb, this country bumpkin uh, from who gives a fuck Oklahoma gets wrapped up in after being turned uh, by May, the, his love interest. And then it's kind of like, that's where I thought this plot kind of slogged is like getting from him to like, okay, yeah, you're a vampire now. We're going to give you a shot in our crew. Then he's got to feel the effects of like, oh shit, I'm a vampire. What the fuck's wrong with me? He tries eating a candy bar to like, cause he's fucked up thinking maybe he needs to eat and he spits it out. It's like, oh shit. I only need blood now. Like that getting up to like that, really that bar scene uh, is, I feel like it just took way too long. I don't know. It could have just been my mood today. The way I I am right now watching it, it just kind of bounced off me like fucking Teflon. No, you're not wrong. And I, I think I just, I, I gave it some points retroactively because of how brutal that scene in particular was. It, mm-hmm. it just made it more worth it for me. If it had been like kind of a dud scene or scenes going on from there, because after that, it kind of drags a little bit too, you know, yeah. when he goes back home and, and that's when it, that's when it, it didn't get so much slow for me. It was just kind of dumb. Like when he goes back <laughs> home, I was like, okay, when we can get into that whenever you want. That's when I was like, all right. And I'm, I'm checking the timer to see how much is, how much is left. Like, okay, only 20 minutes left in this. Let's just, Let's see if they can land this. Yeah. All right, so you're talking about when he first comes back home, when he's like becoming crispy by the second traipsing across the field. So, yeah. So that, you know, where, where we left off story-wise is him. I did like the part when the cop pulled him aside and is like, well, you know, you're a fucking problem. Come over here. We're going to talk to you. And, you know, then gives him the money on the bus, whatever. Uh, so then he, he finds out from the, from May that he needs to drink the blood and, so they start trying to get him to kill people or whatever with a little kid pretends like he got hit by a car and he's laying next to the bike and the guy yeah. pulls over and they just eat him like, all right, that's pretty cool. You know, number six man urinates on fellow passenger for not being allowed to smoke. And then Bill Paxton gets those hitchhikers, you know, that I thought that was a kind of cool little montage of, well, this is how they, yeah, this is this how they is get us fixed every night. Yeah. And then he just has to turn into a bitch and he won't kill anybody. And, you know, and so they take him to this bar. And I, I think the bar scene is like the best part of the entire movie. Oh, yeah. That's the crown jewel for sure. And they, you know, they just make trouble and kill everybody in there. Or almost everybody. But, you know, Bill Paxton, when he's got the, the spurs and oh, he's yeah. just like shredding that guy's throat with the spurs. Yeah, that was pretty hardcore. <laughs> that is that is everything I've ever wanted in a movie. <laughs> yeah, that so, is live action. Live action! Yeah, so one of the guys survives because... What the hell is this guy's name? Caleb. Because Caleb is such a bitch, he won't, he won't eat him. The trucker? So then that guy... No, the guy who escapes from the bar. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this guy was 
meant for him to consume. He chases him down, bitches out at the last second, and then a guy escapes, and they're able to track them down to the motel that they stay at, and there's a big... There's a big to-do there. Shootout, and that's when he sort of... That's when he sort of ingratiates himself to the group by, you know, taking the chance to go get the van or whatever. And so they're like, well, okay, maybe he's not all bad if he's willing to put himself on the line to help the crew or whatever. But then when they go to the next motel, that I thought that part was pretty cool, too. When you get like, to see oh, him like yeah, creep, the, the little. Yeah. The what? Oh, like yeah, when so they go to the hotel and they're, they're his dad and his little baby sister, who's like 10, just happened to be at that motel, too. Yeah, because his dad and his sister are out there looking for him, and they they happen to cross paths at this motel where the little kid, or the the old man who's stuck in the little boy's body, is out. Homer, and he sees the, yeah, and then he sees the sister. Yeah, it's just creepy. He like takes her back to the room, wants to turn her, and like she's like, what? How old do you think she is? Like eight. Yeah, she's got to be between eight and ten, and it doesn't jive with the internal logic of the film. I guess maybe just like you don't know how that's going to play with somebody's mind, but this dude's got to be like between 60 and 80 because they call him old man. And he talks about how much of a pain in the ass it is to be immortal yet be in the body of a 10 year old boy. Yeah. So that would like, that would make you think, okay, then why is he see this other 10 year old, maybe eight year old girl and think like, Oh, she's like me, you know, like I, I didn't, I didn't like that at all, but because I feel like it goes against that internal logic. Like, he would want to make it with, like, he'd want to be around someone older. Like, he knows how things work, but who knows how that plays with your mind. But, yeah, when they bring her in, I'm well, like, if, if he's If he's been around for, well, even if, even if he's only been like that for 20, 30, 40 years or whatever, he hasn't turned anyone before. Like, oh, just now he decides he wants to do it? Yeah. That seems kind of weird. Maybe it's just because what's her name did it, and so he gets the idea to do it for himself. Yeah, but it was like presented the opportunity. Dude, chill. She's a little girl. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so okay. Anyway, they like God. So this might be getting into a conspiracy zone here, but one thing that just struck me, like as I just was watching this, um, so when they bring her in, Sarah, the little eight, nine, ten year old girl. And she's walking in with Homer, and they're in the motel. They're sitting there playing cards. They have a TV on in the background. And they're like, "Hey, what are you doing, Homer? She's too young." Or like, "Why'd you bring? Why'd you bring her in here?" Bill Paxton says, "Who ordered pizza?" Did you hear that part? And there's no mention of pizza. There's no pizza brought there. No one called a p- for pizza or anything. And I mean, you know, some people know that. Depending, depending how deep you go on the internet, that's pizza is the pedo code for girl, you know, young girl. And so that part kind of struck me. I was like, wait, because it shows the girl walk across the film and they're talking about her. And then Bill Paxton, it sounded like he's dubbed in over like later in post-production. It's like, hey, who ordered pizza? And no one, and that's yeah, it. I, I do remember that, and thinking it was strange. I guess I just assumed he meant, like, oh, somebody brought food home, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's probably the obvious ex- 
explanation and that's probably what it was or maybe they had a scene where they got pizza delivered and it got cut or something but it just struck me because like you see her come across the screen and she's entered in and then it's hey who ordered pizza you know it just kind of i don't want to go down that that rabbit hole but it just it kind of it struck me as like a weird thing like chase don't do that i i did think it was funny when they come in and because they say it's like five in the morning or something. And she's like, why are you guys all still awake? And Bill Paxson just has that like shit eating grin on his face. He's like, we, we stay up for weird hours or something. He says we keep odd hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts too. Yeah. Speaking of which, what do you think my He's favorite part of this trend. movie is? Um, let's see. Favorite part. Almost. Um, you can almost bet your bottom dollar. It's, Something that Bill Paxton did, which I think is a given. I don't know. I can't. I can't think of one. Actually, no. Now that in my heart of hearts, it's not that part. It's how corny the very last, the very end, when Caleb is watching Diamondback and Jesse drive away, oh. and they're about to fucking all die. Six, seven in the morning, the sun's coming up, and they're just smoking. They're just starting to to crisp up in the car. And then there's a shot, like, of Caleb, and it zooms in, and the music's all dramatic, and he's all, roast. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you couldn't come up yeah, with a somehow, better... Somehow May's okay, sitting out in the wide open, but they're, they're she spontaneously got the magic- combusting inside yeah. a car. Well, she got the magical blood transfusion as well. Which I didn't like that. After that part, well, that she that was later. Oh, it was. That's right. That's right. Well, she had. Yeah, and I also thought that was a really stupid. Yeah. Stupidly convenient way of him to go back to normal. It's like, oh, I just got a blood transfusion. What? He gets a gun gun put to his head, and then he fucks a dishwasher. How does that work? (laughs) Well, my dad's a vet. Near dark, pray for daylight. Yeah. There. And it's oh, okay. funny looking back, like they just show that one scene of his dad like sticking a pig or something with a needle, mm-hmm. would like right before the Caleb gets kidnapped, and then when he's like asks his dad about doing a blood transfusion later, it's like oh okay, well that scene where that one scene where it shows him messing with the pig makes more sense now, but it's like here's your foreshadowing: he can do things with blood and syringes. Yeah, but that still doesn't explain like. Why? Why does that work? Putting just a pint, putting okay, so putting a pint or whatever it is of somebody else's blood in you makes you go back to normal, but drinking people's blood does not. How does that yeah. work? Yeah, <laughs> that's part of the the magic. And I thought they I were awfully wasteful with the bodies that they killed. You know, because if they have to eat every night, and it's probably difficult. So there's, what, four or five of them? Every night they have to go out and murder four or five people and not get caught. I feel like they left a lot of blood in some of those bodies. You know, they just, like, killed them, just took a few sucks, and then moved on. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty common thing in a lot of vampire movies, too. It's like, I think Blade gets it pretty close to 
to, to like practicality when they show you know like they their blood bank fronts and like you know they have a whole like side explanation for like how they harvest blood how they keep it but even still like these people not having those kinds of resources they're, they're constantly on the run and shit and like living like gypsies you would think yeah they would have some kind of like refrigeration system or something on their motor home on their to sustain themselves a little bit better but or maybe yeah. live in a in a city that's not in the middle of nowhere with a population of nine. Yeah. You know, just go live in like a big city. Yeah. Live somewhere where it's fucking overcast. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Let's live out in Oklahoma beating sun. Yeah. This movie, it just didn't, it didn't land the way I had remembered it or like everything that it comes with, you know, it's cause I think it's hailed Like it definitely has a following and it's hailed as, you know, like, uh, an 80s like deep cut like defies like genre conventions kind of thing and I mean I, I will give it credit that it's not just a, a straight up like dumb kind of like vampire movie cashing in on like the vamp- vampire mythos it ca- it puts a little bit of a spin on it like like the kind of the, the western angle I can definitely see and like they're like a pack of gypsies and they're not like all rich and like have everything dialed in they're just kind of like scavengers nomads but I mean it's pretty quick it's pretty light it's only 90 minutes um, so yeah I think it just yeah not, notwithstanding all the negative stuff I just said I still like it yeah I mean I, I it's enough for me to hold on to with just Bill Paxton's performance and to a lesser degree I like Lance Hendrickson so that's kind of what pulls me through and like keeps it from being like absolute dog shit to me because I, I really don't care for anyone else in the film but yeah the story's original or a little it, it's got its own unique kind of take on the the vampire subgenre like with its setting and its cast of characters but i thought like with obviously with bill paxton being like you know he steals the show there's a couple of his one-liners that that i i noted that i really liked uh obviously when they introduce him and he's and he says i'm your worst fucking nightmare the one where uh, they're in the bar, he's like, he spills that dude's drink, and he's like, hey, you spilled my drink. And he's like, well, why don't you lick it up off the bar, meatball? <laughs> I thought meatball was such a funny... Or the other one, too, where he's like, um, when he's staring down Caleb in the truck, and he's like, I'm going to knock your tonsils out your asshole. What do you think about them apples? Yeah, he's, he's definitely... He steals every scene that he's in, basically. I did like yeah, Lance Henriksen's, uh, his one-liner towards the end, where he's like, uh, the last sound that you hear on your way to hell is going to be your guts snapping like a bullwhip. <laughs> I've never heard that before. And he also, he says, too, he says, at one point, it's time to pay the fiddler. And that's a callback to, um, have you ever seen Weird Science? 1985 with Bill Paxton? He said, there's oh, yeah. a point where he's like walking down the stairs as Chet in Weird Science, and he's like, You're stewed, buttwad. Time to pay the fiddler. <laughs> Dude, he's so good in, in uh, Weird Science. I love him as uh, Chet. I haven't seen that since I was a kid. I just remember he has it's a good like a duffel bag full of guns. Oh, yeah. Like buried in the backyard or something. Yeah, and he's got like a bearskin like blanket, and he's got. You know, shit stuffed all over his room. Plays like the macho, like hunter, like army, military type dude. When he said time to pay the fiddler, that made me think of Dirty Work or Chris Farley. 
Uh, oh yeah, I think he's talking to, <laughs> talking to the Saigon whore. Yeah, <laughs> time to pay the fiddler whore. I did. I think one uh, other than Bill Paxton in this movie, the other thing I really uh, liked a lot was the soundtrack and score, which was done by Tangerine Dream. You ever heard of them? Familiar? They're up no. there with like uh, synth heavy, like electronic kraut rock. That put put you up there with like. You know, craft work or craft work is dog shit. <laughs> they are so bad. Well, it's, is is Bauhaus in that mix? Don't you dare! <laughs> don't don't you dare! Because they're German, right? I well, I assume they are. I mean, their name would make you think so. Craft work is such garbage. <laughs> Bauhaus is so much better. Bauhaus. Us. Their music definitely would have gone with the vibe of this movie. Yeah, I like Tangerine Dream. They're, they've done a lot of shit, actually. Did they do? Did they do all of the soundtrack? Is that what you're saying? Yes. They also did 1977 Sorcerer, Thief, Risky Business, Firestarter, Legend, directed by Ridley Scott. Um, God damn it! Yeah, they did R- Thief, Risky Business, Firestarter. Legend, Three O'Clock High, Near Dark. That's kind of it. Oh, they also did The Keep. Bauhaus uh, is actually in- English. How fun. Huh, how fun. So where would you put this, comp- if you were com- comparing it to, you know, another vampire film, The Lost Boys, that was released the same year, you said you've seen that. Uh, which one do you think out of those two is better for you after just watching this? Um, I don't know if it would be fair because i haven't seen i haven't seen lost boys since i was probably 16 at the oldest oh no way and i i honestly i honestly can't think of another vampire movie i've even seen so i don't know what i would even compare it to john carpenter's vampires starring james woods no never never seen it it's pretty bad it's kind of got like a horror uh, western kind of styling to it, but that's kind of the next thing. Like when I think of Near Dark, the next closest thing I think of is, to a lesser degree, Lost Boys, but more so like Vampires, which came out like ten years later. But yeah, yeah, uh, the idea of vampires has it's always been kind of dumb to me. <laughs> so like I I never. I never really had any interest, even even though I do like horror movies, never really had much of an interest in vampires. It just seemed kind of stupid. Yeah, I'm not a big vampire guy either, but I thought that the way Near Dark plays it, you would appreciate, or it wouldn't be so uh, yes. like lore, like mythos heavy on the vampire. Like you said, they don't even say the and word I think vampire, that, which is refreshing. I think that's why I liked it as much as I did, because I went into it kind of expecting, like, all right, this is going to be kind of stupid. But it, it certainly exceeded my expectations. So uh, if you haven't seen it and you want to, I would just say uh, lower your expectations and you'll probably enjoy it. Yeah, just a scotch. Or if you've listened this far and you haven't seen it, you're probably not going to enjoy it. Yeah, maybe just find some of the choice nugs of uh, Bill Paxton and the bar scene. That'll get you through. Um, yeah, or I just did, watch Twister. Uh, yeah, or or just watch Twister or any other any number of his other films. I did like one last positive point. I li- I liked his creature gore effects after getting hit by the truck at the end. I thought that was pretty sweet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's all mangled up. Um, I'm thinking maybe we should just turn this into a Bill Paxton movie <laughs> podcast. <laughs> 
dedicated to his honor. Dude, he's in a ton of shit. But I Twister's pretty high for me when we're talking Paxton, I think. I would say I don't know, know if I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but I've I've been saying for a couple of years that if Bill Paxton was still alive, I think a Twister prequel would be sick. <laughs> How right? would you do that? Would you go you into to, it and would you de-age him like CGI, or would you just like try and make do with like, uh, no, make, well, like makeup effects, or have a younger person if, play? Him? If he was, yeah, I don't know. If he was still alive and it wasn't thirty years after the first one was made, you know, if they made a prequel closer to the time. But, uh, yeah, because they're like, you go into Twister and they're like, wow, he used to be such a badass. Like, I want to see that shit. Yeah. Yeah, all the stuff that, like, the lore of him and Helen Hunt and their wild shenanigans, I think that that would have been ripe for uh, for a prequel. And probably if it was made, Didn't... if it would have been plucked out and made, if it would have existed at a later time, they probably would have. Because I think it made a shit ton at the box office, but... Carrie guess, Elwes. Yep. Dude, that dude's like an ageless wonder, man. He's like 70-something now, and he looks good for 70. Like, he does not look that old at all. Yeah. He was just in uh, season three of uh, Stranger Things that came out a couple years ago, and he's super old. He, he looks like he's not a day over, like, 50. He's like 70-something, but... Yeah, because when uh, did... When did Princess Bride come out? Was that late eighties? Fuck yeah, that's I think I want to say that's like eighty nine. Okay, yeah, and I mean, so that was over thirty years ago in eighty seven. Yeah. Huh. Oh shit, he's only fifty nine. That's crazy. I thought he was older than that. Okay, so I can buy that. That's that's easier to buy, but he still looks great for fifty nine. I'll say that. Yeah, it looks like later in his career, Bill Paxton wasn't in a ton of stuff, like, post the year 2000, ex- with the exception being uh, he did, like, six or seven seasons of that show Big Love about the Mormon shit on HBO, the polygamous Right. No, yeah, I never saw it. Yeah, my wife loves it. I can't stand it. You're, Sorry, more, of, you're more of, like, a sister-wives guy? Yeah, totally. Or bri- <laughs> bridezillas. <laughs> Um, yeah, the nineties, it was, uh, that was, that was his time. He was in, there's another good Western. What is it called from the early nineties that kind of just got passed over? I think it's called like Frank and Jesse and it's about Jesse James. And I don't know who the fuck Frank is, but, um, oh, his brother, Frank James. Yeah. Frank and Jesse's a good, good flick. He's kind of like side, pretty side character in, uh, Tombstone. Frank and Jesse, you say? Mm-hmm. He's also... Bill Paxton's also in one of my favorite uh, Tales from the Crypt episodes, uh, People Who Live in Brass Hearses. He plays opposite Brad Dorif, who was in The Exorcist 3, and he played the voice of Chucky in all the Child's Play movies. He's an awesome actor. But yeah, People Who Live in Brass Hearses, that's like one of the all-time best Tales from the Crypt episodes. And honestly, he kind of plays similar to the way he is in Near Dark. He almost plays that same character, except he's not a vampire. They actually have a lot of Tales from the Crypt episodes on, on YouTube. Maybe I'll shoot you the link for that, because they're, they're nice bite-sized. I think they're like 23-minute long episodes. He's super good in that one. You have any moves? I'd like to see you incorporate them. 
And yeah, dude, homework for you at some point. You should just watch Aliens, even just for Bill Paxton's performance alone. But the movie's dope. It's, it's really cool. And you don't have to watch any of the other Alien movies to have, like, context. You could just watch it. It's a straight-up badass, like, action sci-fi. And there's a lot of cool shit that happens, and Bill Paxton's A-plus in it. He's got some of his most memorable lines uh, from Aliens. Alright, well I think that's going to put Near Dark to bed. Unless, do you have any final thoughts or anything else you want to... God, how good was Apollo 13? He's good in that too. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, that's one of those movies where, you know, you know how it ends, but it's still on the edge of your seat watching it. I don't know if you remember this, but, because you're a couple years younger than me, but when it came out, it was, I think, after... Apollo 13, Tom Hanks did like a 10-part miniseries on HBO called From the Earth to the Moon. No, I never saw that. It's kind of similar in the vein of, you know, how he did Saving Private Ryan, and then he jumped into, a couple years later, into Band of Brothers, and he was like executive producer, like he was all over it, you know? He I did, did not this, know that. Yeah, yeah, he, like, him and Spielberg, after Saving Private Ryan, they wanted to make a longer... Uh, miniseries about World War Two and like because they're huge history buffs and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, they're the main like executive producers on Band of Brothers. But so preceding that, he did the same thing because he's he's got a huge heart on for NASA. NASA too. After Apollo thirteen, he worked with uh, I don't know if Ron Howard was involved with the miniseries too, but. Tom Hanks was also a, a executive producer for From the Earth to the Moon. So if you, I don't know where it's available. I'm sure it's on HBO Max. But yeah, if you ever get a chance and you like Apollo 13, you, I'm sure it's it's they're kind of like uh, cognates or you know they're they're very similar production style, like the story, similar to how Private Ryan and Band of Brothers are. You can feel that kind of connective tissue. It's the same thing with, uh, dude, I remember, I feel like a nerd, because I was in, like, 7th or 8th grade, and, like, I was, like, on pins and needles, like, every week for the new From the Earth to the Moon to come out. Mm. And it kind of charted, I can't remember, I think they did different eras every couple episodes, so, like, they did the Apollo, like, you see what happened to Gus Grissom, is that what his name was, or... The dude who died in, like, the first or second Apollo launch, like Apollo 1, Apollo 2. I saw, like, three guys died in the simulator. I don't know about that. Or was that, or was that Apollo 1? I don't know. I, I always get them confused. Either Apollo 1 or Apollo 2 ended, like, they actually, like, went live and they shot people out into space. And it, or no, uh, they burned alive on the ground, I think, like, while they were doing their takeoff initiation. So it was like a catastrophic, like, you know, failure. And so they burned up, mm-hmm. I think, before they even got off of the ground or very shortly thereafter. I don't think they ever got outside of our atmosphere, but I get one of the most uh, yeah, famous I guys. Was, I thought it was during the training exercise, but I'm only getting that from, I thought that's what they were talking about in Apollo 13, <clears throat> but I could be wrong. I mean, I could do you remember, too, but do you remember letting me borrow Band of Brothers? And after like a month, I'd only got through like two of them. And you're like, I'm going to need that back. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were coming up on like Veterans Day or something. And I like, I have to watch it like every year. So 
that that was before like the ubiqu- ubiquity of streaming and all that shit. And I, I bought it. It was like forty bucks at like Target for like the nine disc or ten disc tin that had all the special features and everything. But yeah, Bandit. Well, because how long is it? Excellent. It's like ten hours. Like so, each episode for Band of Brothers is like anywhere between an hour and an hour and fifteen minutes, and then. I think at the at the end of that, there's another disc. It's like a two and a half hour documentary making Band of Brothers, and like you know, all the way from casting to like they put those guys through like same with Saving Private Ryan. They went through like a two to three week boot camp, um, and it just like there's a bunch of other things. Like the dude who played, um, I can't remember his name, David Schwimmer. No, he is in it, and he's he's good in it. He plays Ross. such a piece of shit, dude. Yeah, that's just a good series. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it when you get a chance. Um, it's on HBO. It's dope. I wasn't as big of a fan of the Pacific Theater that they did a few years later. I didn't. I didn't really care for that. But they tried to do the same type of thing. Yeah, just like turning it inward and or you know showing the other side. So they did it like Saving Private Ryan style but on the Pacific Theater. So if you're looking for a dope Pacific Theater of World War II, I can't recommend uh, The Thin Red Line any higher. That one's really good. Sean Penn, Nick Nolte, Woody Harrelson, a few other folks, Jim Caviezel, JC, Jesus Christ himself. I remember seeing that that, uh, movie Case all the time. Yeah, dude, it's it's so good. It's really good. It's definitely more of like a philosophical kind of like, you know, what is war, you know. It, it, it's definitely got more of that angle to it. But I, f- I feel like at least in some scenes, like the depiction of war is even more. It, it's at least the same, if not more intense than some of the scenes in private ryan like it feels a little bit more gritty and a little bit more hopeless um in some scenes it's definitely a i mean i think it's the same runtime it's like around two hours 45 minutes three hours but it's definitely more of like a meditation on war and like the horrors of war and those kinds of things whereas private ryan's a little bit more straight ahead i guess uh in some ways but yeah, that's cool kind of like um, Jacob's Ladder. I remember thinking, like, God, that was such a mind fuck. Yeah, that's crazy. I I wouldn't have picked you for having seen Jacob Jacob's Ladder. No, it's definitely a, a different kind of film, but I guess it, it kind of goes into the deeper reaches of, like, the mind and, like, how we process, like, trauma and shit like that, but... I want to watch the Deer Hunter. Is it kind of like that? Like a oh, weird... dude, Deer Hunter is excellent. Very good. It's Deer Hunter's a little bit more drama, but it's it feels very real. And it shows more of like coming home from the war and then like dealing, like it lives there, kind of like how you would how you would mm. live. Whereas all these other war films, for for ninety percent, it's like a depiction of what happened in war and you don't really get to pull back deer hunter definitely shows like you know the scars and like what you would have to deal with coming back and like being a fucking mailman you know like and dealing with the wow. shit that you've seen and grappling and stuff like that 
Sounds like a real bummer. So does that moon series you're talking about show how they faked the moon landing? <laughs> you're a moon guy. <laughs> no. It's Is that the, why you're watching it so intently, waiting for the big reveal at the end? <laughs> no. No. It's it, it plays it very historically accurate and, and pretty straight. But it's also got kind of like a, a Hollywood kind of cinematic sheen on it as well but yeah it's just have good. i sent you those clips have i sent you those clips where people think that stevie wonder is not actually blind yeah you showed me that <laughs> i mean yeah because there's two that are there's two that are pretty funny one he's doing some like ensemble music thing on stage and the mic starts to like fall or the mic stand starts to tip over and he just like reaches out and grabs it as it's falling mm-hmm. and then the other one was Shaq, during some like TNT NBA Tonight thing, was telling the story about how he got on an elevator one time and it was just Stevie Wonder and he's like, "What's up, Shaq?" It's <laughs> like I hadn't even said anything to him. It's like that's kind of me. That's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know how you'd begin to explain that unless Shaq was just talking out of his asshole. Um, I can see the one on stage though, like just you know knowing his way around a stage and the way everything's choreographed maybe or just like i'm sure his senses are like attuned to like you know he could hear the mic stand going and like it was just a reaction and quinky dink that but yeah if you Uh look at it it's like oh that's pretty fucking weird sure keep denying the truth (laughs) (laughs) all right well I think that is going to do it for uh, oops. That's going to do it for us here at Waxing the Porpoise. Um, yeah, if you guys uh, have any comments, let you let us know what you think of uh, Near Dark. You can hit us up on our email at wax at waxingtheporpoise.com uh, find us on socials insta wax waxing the porpoise or twitter at waxing the porp. Um, be sure to, if, if you guys are liking, digging what you're hearing and you want to throw us a, a five star or give us any kind of review on, uh, Apple podcasts, that's a big one and, uh, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, so going into next week, uh, it's been pre-decided instead of doing our, wheel of fate um we're gonna do a little bit of a role reversal so next week we'll be talking about a film that steve has seen that he champions which i have not seen um so a little role reversal as we watch uh the believer what what is this from 2004 i think it's 2001 2001 okay yeah i'm pretty sure it's 2001 starring Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Gosling. Yeah. And I'm a big Gosling Billy fan. Zane. Ooh, Billy Zane's in it? I think so. I'm, I might be confusing him with somebody <laughs> else who looks Come like him. But you should listen to your pal, Billy Zane. He's a pretty cool dude. Trying to help you out. Let's see. Shut it, Zane. <laughs> yeah, Billy Zane's in it. Okay. The Zang Mang. Yeah, he's awesome. I'm I'm sold already. 
Cool. So yeah, we'll be we'll be talking about that next week. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you on the flippity flop. Bye. Bye. The last one. Chase, don't do that. All right. Uh- Shopper. Oh, not the shit out your hood glass.